Welcome to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz, a candid conversation as we learn about types of dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, frontal temporal, and Lewy body, and the effects on the people we love. Jill's years of dedication and experience help you adapt, overcome obstacles, and find positive outcomes. It's time for Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Well, hello, everybody. Today, I wanted to talk about, about some things that uh, come up all the time with people not able to take responsibility for their own safety, um, not able to evaluate the consequences of their actions the way they, the rest of us do or the way they used to. And because they forget really quickly, their short-term memory loss is compromised, accidents can easily happen. And people have a tendency to attempt to do familiar tasks that they've done many, many times over the years without realizing that they can no longer manage those tasks well and that they're not thinking about the safety behind all of that. So as an example, the disease might affect the portions of the brain that remember how to do simple things, such as, you know, like buttoning a shirt or slicing meat with a sharp knife. And the inability to do manual tasks a lot of times is unrecognizable to us because they may use compensatory language to, you know, sort of walk themselves through the task, whatever it is. And that's when accidents can happen. They just, they're not watching their fingers. They're not paying attention to, you know, where they're placed when they're cutting an onion or something like that. And because the person can't learn new things, you have to take really specific precautions to guard against any accidents happening. Because even if that person seems like they're managing well, you might not realize that they've lost the, the judgment it takes to avoid any accidents. Their judgment and reasoning is not working. The frontal lobe is not helping them with sequencing because that's what its role is to try to help people understand how to do something from A to Z, from 1 to 10 to 1 to 100, whatever it is. And families have to take responsibility for the safety even if that person is mildly impaired. And accidents happen the most when people are tired or when they're angry or when somebody is hurrying, especially if there's an argument and someone in the household is agitating them or if somebody's sick. And... At those times, you and the person with the diagnosis are less alert 
and really cognizant of the fact that there's a possibility an accident could happen and the person with the impairment might misunderstand or overreact to even the slightest thing and all of a sudden we have this mishap with a catastrophic reaction. So it's really important that you reduce any confusion or tension when it's happening. And it's hard, especially if you're struggling with the care of that person. But if you're rushing them to keep an appointment or finish a job or, or anything, just stop. Because when you get to a point where you're rushing someone and you're trying to get them to kind of move along, that's when things go wrong. And even if you're going to be late or you don't get something done, just count to 10, catch your breath, rest for a minute. Let the person that is confused calm down. And you have to be aware that mishaps when they happen can be warning signs of things to come. I mean, like dropping a cup or banging your shin on the edge of a bed and then that person gets upset. And instead of just saying, oh, you're okay, or let me see, or we'll rub it for a second, or what have you. If you keep pushing them and pushing them, something else is going to happen, almost like dominoes when they fall. You have to try to calm them down, get a change of pace, redirect, before something serious happens. And let other people in the family know if there's been any tense moments, if there's been anything that is happening that, that makes you think that uh, they should keep a closer eye on the person. Because you have to know their limits. They may not know their limits. You can't take their word for it that they can you know, heat up some food or, or run a bath. I mean, you really can't because you could walk away, that bath could overflow, they could put metal in the microwave. These kinds of things can become serious issues when sparks start flying or ceilings start bowing. If that person is in sort of a early stage, it's possible to bring in an occupational therapist that can help them with some of those things. They can, they can talk to them about a lot of things. Um, they can observe that person, give you a really good overview of what they, that person can still do in a safe manner. And if you can't afford to have a PT or an OT come in, um, just watch your person. Observe them as closely as you can when they're doing, you know, relatively simple tasks and see how they are performing at it. Are they able to still make coffee? 
Are they able to still make a meal? Do they turn the oven on and walk away and forget? And if you know that they're, they're having problems, make sure you have some emergency plan You've got mops nearby. You've got buckets nearby in the bathroom, in a closet or something like that. You've got a fire extinguisher in the, in the kitchen. You might have to really think about how a person could get in and out of the house if the house were on fire. This happens all the time, my friends. And your person may resent that. They may be upset about that. They may think that you are, you know, thinking that they're not safe anymore and they might resist you helping them, but you have to do it anyway. You might have to change the environment to make it safer for them. It's one of the most important things that we can do to avoid accidents. I mean, everywhere you look, hospitals... Other institutions have safety experts who regularly inspect for hazards. And you can and you should do the same thing. You really should. And if you need to, select a time when that person with dementia is not with you and really look at their yard, their home, their neighborhood, their car, uh, Look for things that that person could misuse or misinterpret that could cause an accident of some type. Um, people get really confused by clutter and might do things that aren't safe any longer, like using the stove and putting you know, paperwork on the stove. I've talked about that many, many times. Um, Maybe having too low a furniture they could fall over because their their spatial part of their brain is not working. The right side of their brain and the top of their brain is not working. Um, they could be clumsy. They can trip over things. Do you have throw rugs in your house that are loose, that, are, that don't have some type of a backing or some skid uh, pad, and they're just there? I was just in a house the other day. Um, about a week ago that had rugs everywhere and they were slip sliding all over the place. I slid on one and I don't have any type of dementia. You've got to get those things out of there. You have to look at that person's level of impairment right now, but also plan ahead for when they are increasingly impaired. And when they're when their disease progresses, you have to keep repeating your safety plans to make sure you're moving with them within the realm of safety as that person gets worse. It's going to happen. They're not, nobody with Alzheimer's ever gets better. So, you know, you can, you can go on Google and uh, Google or look for books about Alzheimer's proofing your home. There are things that you can do, key changes that you can make. 
Make a list of all the things that you could change over time and that you may need other people to help you with. And think of yourself as well. Um, What can you do to keep yourself from falling? What can you do to prevent fires? And sometimes making these changes is difficult. It's certainly not fun, but putting locks on, extra locks on doors, some up high, some down low that the person can't easily uh, get to and, and undo, uh, putting stop signs by the front door, putting a black mat right by the front door, um, getting clutter out of the house. Do not make your stove the next table in your house. Oh my gosh. That is something I see in just about every home I go into. I can't believe it. Everybody that has Alzheimer's that lives alone starts using their stove, whether it's gas or whether it is a hot top uh, or those clear top things. They use them as tables. It's the craziest thing I have ever seen. Other things you can do, just go around your house and look for things like kitchen knives, matches. Um, in, in the kitchen, you can look for... Uh, Oh, electronic things that maybe have, you know, shorts in them. Uh, Do you plug into a wall socket and it sparks at you? Maybe call, you know, an electrician or something to check that out. Uh, Electronic gadgets can cause all kinds of problems. Um, I can think of one right off the top of my head, a curling iron. If somebody has a curling iron in their bedroom and they turn it on, they might burn themselves. If they misuse it, they put it down on something that is paper, it could catch on fire. Um, Medications. Look at the medications you have, and if there's anything that is greatly expired, just get rid of it. If you need to get rid of it at certain places, you can either take it to a pharmacy or you can take it to a local police station, and oftentimes they'll dispose of it for you, especially things like oxycodone or Ambien and stuff like that. Um, In your pantries, you might have insecticides. Uh, You might have cleaning supplies. And... If you do, make sure they are up high where they wouldn't necessarily look for them. Maybe put a lock on them. I, uh, uh, even like um, detergent things, I've heard of people eating Tide Pods because they think they're candy. And if you have stuff out in your garage like gasoline, paint, um, solvents of some type, Just get rid of them. If you're not going to use them in years to come, just get rid of them. If you can, um, get child-proof locks for drawers and cabinets. Those are easy fixes. They don't cost a whole lot. It's an easy, easy thing for you to do. 
I'm just stunned. And the reason I wanted to talk about this today is when I do in-home assessments and I'm looking for safety, I come away with a lot. I mean, a lot of suggestions for people because they we get so lackadaisical about putting things away that could cause problems. And locks are easy to install for the most part. And you might want to use more than one if you really need to store things so that they can't get one undone, they've got to get another undone, and then they'll lose their patience on it and they'll walk away from it. And for God's sakes, make sure that your smoke detectors and your, um, oh, you know, the ones that they, the carbon monoxide uh, detectors, that they're working and that the batteries are fresh. And, and for gosh sakes, I mean, the bottom line is so many things can go wrong. And you don't want to come down, come home and find your house burned down. You don't want your dog to be lost. Uh, you don't want your animals not being fed. You don't want puddled water because of, of uh, sinks and bathtubs overrunning or showers left on and things like that. These kinds of things can happen. And the biggest thing I can tell you is simplify, 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 simplify. Anytime you can get rid of clutter, you should do it. For the person that's impaired, clutter is something that that person has to think through. They have to think more about. And when they're thinking about it, they're not paying attention to where they're going, and it can lead to accidents, especially on the stairs. Don't stack things on your stairs. Don't stack clothing. Don't stack uh, towels and socks and all that kind of stuff. Get rid of that. Absolutely get rid of that. Look at where that person walks and what they have to walk around, what they have to step over, cords and things like that. Um, I see uh, ottomans that are way too low that are sitting in the, in the middle of everything and somebody has to kind of wind their way through the furniture. Try to move all that stuff out of there. Give it to goodwill. Put it in another room that they never go in. Because I'm telling you, if somebody trips and falls... They're going to end up in the hospital. When they end up in the hospital, then they're going to go to a skilled nursing. And the skilled nursing may say, oh, this person has advanced dementia. They cannot go home. Now they're going to force them into a, a private pay or a Medicaid-type home. And if you don't have Medicaid already set up because you weren't expecting it, but you don't have any money and you can't pay $6,000, $7,000, $8,000, $10,000 a month, that becomes suddenly an instant problem that you can't surpass. I mean, that is where things go really, really wrong. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, I'm going to go through the whole house 
and talk about these safety things because, like I said, I go into people's homes all the time. I see it every day. And uh, unfortunately, people, if I meet you, you give me tons of content. <laughs> we'll be right back. Carillon at Bellevue Station is a residential community enriching the senior living experience. Our community full of grandeur and elegance is located near Cherry Hills, Colorado. We offer independent living and personalized assisted living services and an intimate caring neighborhood for our residents with Alzheimer's and other dementias. A beautifully appointed spacious apartment, chef prepared meals, transportation services and a team devoted to your safety and wellness are what awaits you when you reside at Carillon at Bellevue Station. Call 720-440-8200 or visit carillon at bellevuestation.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Okay, so other things that happen in people's homes. Uh, tripping over extension cords. That's something I saw the other day that I was like, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe how many extension cords and, and uh, oxygen um, cords and things like that are in the way for somebody to trip over. A neat house has less clutter, and it makes you easier. It makes it easier for you to maneuver, it makes it easier for your person to find things, and especially if your person misplaces or hides things from you. They're easier to find when you have a cleaner house. The more clutter you have, the easier it is for them to hide things. Trust me, I know. Um, as people get older, their eyes need more light. But people get accustomed to having lower light in their homes. And uh, I'm guilty of that, too. The other day, I uh, turned on the lights in my kitchen. And uh, I have a Google system, like an Alexa or a Siri. And I had asked them to turn the lights on. And the lights were so bright. So I asked... Uh, I asked my Google system to turn the lights down. And that's a, a classic example that if I had a person with Alzheimer's in my home, I'd need to increase that light and add night lights in bedrooms so that we reduce accidents, you know, during the sleeping hours when the person gets up in the middle of the night and wants to go to the bathroom or something. It just helps that person to function a little bit better. Another way that you can do it naturally is just leave your, your drapes open during the daytime and use uh, higher watt bulbs in your lamps and stuff like that. That makes it pretty easy. Uh, if you have a dimly lit room, uh, turn your lights on. You can get um, those LED lights that are economical. They use less electricity. They give you more light, and more light reduces that person's confusion. It, it prevents them from stumbling over things. So think about those kinds of things. Now, 
I think one of the the two top places I would say are the biggest hazards are living rooms and bathrooms. So I want to go to bathrooms right now. It's usually the most dangerous room in the house because they can fall, they can cut themselves, they can burn themselves. Um, you could have cleaning uh, materials and stuff like that in there and they could get poisoned. Um, medications should be locked up. Uh, people have drank shampoo. I've had that happen. Uh, they might try to eat things in a cabinet that are not appropriate. They may take you know, some medication like uh, extra strength Tylenol and not remember that they just took two, so they'll take two more and then they take two more and then they take two more. Um, you got to put those things away. If you have glass drinking glasses, get rid of them. Use plastic. That will help a lot. If they drop it, it's not going to break. One of the biggest things that makes people stop taking showers is having the water heater uh, too hot, and they turn the they turn the temperature just a little bit to the left, and it about scalds them right, and they they lose the ability to judge how hot is too hot, so. You can set your hot water heaters down to like 110 um, if you need to, if that, especially if that person lives alone. Uh, usually you would have your hot water heater on about 120. I have mine on 130 to 140 because I like hot baths and I've got a clawfoot tub and I want to fill it with hot water, but I don't have dementia. So uh, if that person has a tendency to uh, forget that they're turning something hot on and they, and they leave it on or something like that, um, they could really hurt themselves. Other things, why I said I think the living room, and I'm going to include the kitchen on this too, uh, people get up in the middle of the night and they might want to, you know, heat something up for themselves while you're sleeping. And they might put an empty pan on a hot burner. And that is a serious fire hazard. They, they also hide things sometimes under the stove burners that can start a fire. Uh, you can take a lot of different steps to try and decrease risk like this, like taking the no knobs off the stove when you're not using it. Um, you can install timers on the stove if you need to. You can install timers on the microwave that will turn off after a certain period of time, especially the new ones. Um, you can have a switch installed on the stove or any electrical appliance for that matter so that you can you turn it off when you're not using it. 
And it's a good idea to put the switch out of sight somewhere in a cabinet where the person who is confused can't find it. Um, you know, you have to you have to do these kinds of things. You have to store those medications away. You have to get you know pans that are metal uh, and not have them where the person could put them in the microwave. You've got to move things so that people can't uh, use them. I mean, it can really be a problem. And I, I don't mean to jump around, but sometimes people keep medications in their kitchen. Um, and people don't remember that they took it. They see the bottle and they, they, they want to take it again and again and again. And people can overdose. I bring that up because... I keep a Benadryl in my kitchen for my husband, who has a pretty severe allergic reaction sometimes to uh, exercise and heat. But if I had a person with dementia living with me, I would try to make sure that I keep that on a high shelf way back in the back so they wouldn't even see it. And... Look at locks on doors. Uh, just like children, my uh, granddaughter, when she was little, locked her bedroom door and did not know how to unlock it. And luckily, uh, sometimes you can use a credit card to pop uh, those little, uh, how the door closes, that little slide thing that turns and opens when you open and close the door. Um, but we had to make sure that we put a one of those uh, safety things over the door that she can't pull off. Uh, and she, that she's a child. But you can get people uh, that get locked in. They can lock themselves in a room and you can't get in there. So you can um, remove the lock. You can use the, the child-proof uh, thing over the handles. You can take the tumblers out. You can replace the knob um, or tape the latch uh, if you need to, that little thing that closes the door. Do things like that. It makes a big difference. And again, stairs can be a real problem People, especially at night, can get turned around. They can fall down the stairs. Uh, make sure your handrails aren't shaky. Make sure they're really sturdy. Um, I, you always want to make sure that they are anchored into the studs in the walls, not into the drywall or plaster, because that won't hold a person's weight if they fall or if they're not securely fastened. One of the best things you can do is put their bedroom on the main floor. If you can do that, if you have the ability to do that so they don't have to go up and down stairs, that makes a huge difference. I mean, I really think that's a good idea. Um, I had a guy one time that was going up and going up and down some really large 
grandiose, steep steps. And I told his daughter, you have got to put his bedroom somewhere downstairs. She said she didn't she didn't have the ability to do that. She had no uh, bedrooms on the main floor. So I told her to put um, those kids' safety uh, gates at the top and the bottom of the stairs to block them off so the guy couldn't go up and down. And make sure they can't climb over them, too, because if they, if they climb over them, then they're really going to tumble down the stairs. And, you know, they're, they're going to walk into places that are unsafe for them, or they're going to wander away. They're going to go out the front door. So just do whatever you can to, to make sure that you have thought about the safety issues of every area of your home. I have seen people that lean too far out a window or over a balcony rail and have fallen, especially in high-rise buildings, especially if you have dormers or something like that, and they open the window and they want to climb outside because they think they're a kid. So, again, uh, safety locks on windows, balcony doors, Things, try to make sure they can't climb over them. The bottom line is you're trying to make the place comfortable for the person and safe for the person. And putting signage up could help, you know, stop, don't climb over this rail. Um, Make sure they've got comfortable chairs. They've got clean walk areas. Places where they can see you when you leave the room. Things like that. And outside, uh, I've seen adults and children who put their hand through glass in a storm door because they didn't see it. So if you have that problem, put some grill work on the outside of it. That will help. Um... If you have concrete stairs going down, mark the edges of it with painter's tape, colored painter's tape, so they can see the edge of it. Make sure that you put something in the way so they can't fall off of a porch or a deck. I mean, I I see stuff like this all the time. If you have garages that have electronic equipment like drills and saws and stuff like that, put that stuff away. Put it in a cabinet and lock it up. This is so dangerous. When they are accessible, somebody can get to it. One time this lady told me that her husband was repairing a toaster, but he plugged it in and electrocuted himself when he put a um, a uh, screwdriver down in it. Outdoor areas often have cracks. They have uneven pavement, holes in the lawn, uh, fallen branches, thorny bushes, stuff like that that a person could fall into, um, run into, get 
get uh, clotheslined in the neck by an actual clothesline, <laughs> there are still people who hang up string and uh, leave it to put their sheets and stuff like that out to blow in the wind, and people run into them when there's nothing on them. Uh, make sure you put coals out if you're outside enjoying, you know, a fire pit and things like that. Lock up garden tools, uh, lawn mowers, so they're not trying to mow the lawn and run over something that they shouldn't. It goes flying up the air in the air and hits them in the face. Uh, push and riding mowers are especially hazardous on hilly terrains. Because they can turn over, and the person might fall into it. I, I, I've heard of that happening. Fences are great because they help a person uh, from leaving the yard, but anybody could climb over a fence. Anybody could put a chair up and go over the fence. So make sure that you have a taller fence, not a shorter one. And if you bring someone to your home that hasn't lived there, you're going to have to make sure that you put up some safety hazards if they're, if they're um, not aware of them or you didn't look at them before you had them move in. Uh, outdoor swimming pools can be so dangerous. Pay attention to things like that. Ice and snow. Don't take somebody out that has uh, mobility issues and then you don't watch and they slip and fall on ice. That can be really bad. Um, I don't have to tell you to not let people um, drive cars. I hope I don't have to tell you that. But it happens all the time. It happens all the time. Um, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about some other hazards. Uh, riding in the car, getting gas, things like that. We'll be right back. Living and working with Alzheimer's and other dementias can often be challenging. Summit Resilience Training provides education, utilizing non-medical approaches for those who work with our friends affected by dementia. Believing families still need one-on-one -on -one assistance, we provide classes which help them understand the diseases affecting their loved ones, offering strategies and techniques for success with activities of daily living and working with confusing behaviors. We offer in-home assessments to clarify symptoms of dementia diseases and help families work together to find moments of joy while living with memory loss and impairment. Education programs instilling person-centered care philosophies are offered for professional caregivers working in communities and homes, which can be customized for their staff. Training is also available for first responders, such as law enforcement, fire, and EMT personnel. We are passionate that people with dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and others, are approached with compassion and understanding, and those who work with them have all the tools they need for success. Call us at Summit Resilience Training, 303-420-6988 to schedule a class or in-home assessment. Visit our website at summitresiliencetraining.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. 
All right. So I was talking about, you know, people being outside, additional problems they can have if there's icy walks, if um, if you throw kitty litter down um, and uh, in, as a substitute for salt, uh, that can work better than sometimes the things that we throw down there as like rock salt because it's not quite as easy to slip and slide on. Um, I was talking about the car. So don't ever leave a person alone in a car. Um, they might wander away. They might play with the ignition. They could release the brake. They could, you know, put it in neutral and back up. Um, they could be harassed by strangers. They could run the battery down. Um, they could roll a window down. They might talk to people that don't want them to talk to them. They could hit their head on things. Uh, there was a particularly disturbing story several years ago. My husband, Jim, uses it when he trains police officers about a woman who went into a Walmart and left her mom in the car. She didn't know her mom had taken a knife out of the kitchen. And she thought her mom was safe because she... Uh, had her seat belted. Well, the woman couldn't figure out how to get her seat belt off. And she had pulled a huge, huge knife, like a carving knife, out of the kitchen and had put it in her purse. Um, and she had a big old purse. And what happened was she ended up cutting the uh, safety belt off. And she got out of the car. And when she got out of the car, this woman was like 84 years old or 88 years old. I can't remember. But anyway, people were coming, you know, walking by her. And she got scared because she didn't know where she was. She didn't know where her daughter was. She'd gotten out of the car. She was completely confused. And she started shaking this knife at people that were walking by. So they called the police. Well, in a horrible case, uh, the police officer showed up. They tried to get her to put the knife down. She was scared. She was waving it at the police, and it was a huge knife. And they ended up charging her and throwing her to the ground. She hit her head so hard on the ground that it left a puddle of blood, and uh, she ended up dying. So things like that can happen. They can try to get into the driver's side. They might lock the doors um, and your car keys are on the inside. So, I mean, this can be really, really scary. And for God's sakes, if they used to like to drive and they still wanted to drive, hide the car keys Hide the car keys somewhere in the house where they can't get to them. Get in that car, back out through a garage door that is not closed, or raise the door up and take off on a joyride to uh, go three states away. Things like that happen all the time. And I'll tell you what, highways are dangerous for people. 
Um, they could be walking along the highway. They could be trying to drive. Um, call the police if you see somebody walking down the highway and they look elderly and they look like something could be wrong. They don't mind being alerted to this. It is much better to alert them than to have that person get hit by a car or uh, to be driving erratically in um, on the highway. Uh, so you have to, to watch out for things like that. Um, entrances into closed garages. They might turn the car on and not be able to get the garage door open, leave the car, and just sit there for a while, fall asleep, and they could asphyxiate themselves. Um, you don't want those kinds of things to happen. Other hazards that I'm thinking about are if a person smokes, um, they could lay down a lighted cigarette or a joint and catch someplace on fire. Try to discourage smoking. Lots of families have taken cigarettes completely away from that person. I had somebody ask me the other day if um, nursing homes would allow somebody to bring in uh, marijuana that they could smoke. Uh, no. Hello. Memory units don't want people smoking cigarettes or pot. I mean, <laughs> I couldn't believe I even got that question. That unbelievable. People forget their cigarettes. They forget they ever smoked. They don't usually complain if you take their, their cigarettes away once they become so impaired that they don't remember. And you can't really just allow them to smoke under supervision. The minute you're not there, they're going to smoke anyway. So take those cigarettes and the pot and all that kind of stuff away. Take matches away. Bad, 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 bad things, my friends. All right, last but not least, I want to talk about firearms because having firearms in the house are ridiculously dangerous. They have to be put in a safe place. They should be removed altogether. If you have to, ask your doctor or your clergyman, whoever person, whoever it is, to explain to the person that, you know, they, they used to hunt, they used to have guns in the house because they were, you know, in law enforcement or whatever, but now it's too dangerous for them to be using. They could accidentally take the, the safety off and shoot somebody. If you need to, ask the local police or the sheriff's department if they can help dispose of the guns in the house or any rifles if you don't know how to do it. Don't leave somebody at a disadvantage. Don't let them hurt themselves or hurt other people. And I'm telling you what, people with Alzheimer's get very paranoid. They think you're trying to take things from them. They get angry that you're stealing things from them. You walk into a house, they don't recognize you. They might blow you away. I tell you, firearms, I think, might be the single worst thing in people's homes. Okay? So get those out of the house if you need to. All right, that's my Soapbox Caregiver Nation 
please look around your house. Make those safety changes where you need to. I've given you probably a hundred of them today. Uh, do this for yourself and others so that when you come home, your house is still standing. Your person's not in the garage aff- asphyxiated or driving down the highway in your car, not knowing where they're going. Lock doors at night. We've had really, really cold temperatures here in Denver and across the nation and around the world. And people walk outside not dressed for the weather. Outside five minutes and you can get frostbite and people get lost for hours on end. I'm always helping the police with things like that. All right? So be well, be careful, be safe. And I'll see you next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. You've been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at summitresiliencetraining.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.